Hey there, I'm Janine Noggle, and I'm the host of the UECU podcast. Well, welcome, everybody. I am so happy to have you join us, uh, hopefully again. And if this is your first time, we hope that you'll listen to some of our first uh, episodes. Uh, We've been doing this just for a couple of months. But today, I am just so excited to have uh, a different kind of uh, presentation for you, a different kind of discussion. Today, I have a very special guest with me. But before I get into who she is and what she does and um, and the organization that she represents, um, I just want to give you a little bit of background on um, kind of the why we're having this conversation with her. And that's because um, UECU has obviously, at Utilities Employees Credit Union, has supported utility workers in all different kinds of ways um, since our very... Uh, creation in 1934. And one of the groups that we've gotten to know along the way um, are, uh, you know, some really amazing people who do crazy, uh, dangerous work, but very important work, and that is um, electric linemen. And so today we're going to learn a little bit about kind of their life and some of the challenges um, through a group that supports them. But one of the reasons that this group exists, uh, honestly, is because of this. So I found this information online today with linemancentral.com. And here's the truth about being an electric lineman, um, and that is that of a survey that was uh, done by them, 42 out of 100,000 linemen are lost on the job every year. Um, And on top of that, 2,400 injuries. And my guest may actually have better numbers than even that, um, but that ranks them as about the third most dangerous job um, out there. So only beat by loggers (laughs) and uh, manual agricultural agricultural laborers. So um, these these workers are amazing people, very skilled, um, have a, a, an awesome camaraderie amongst themselves as well. I spent a little bit of time getting to know them in person over the years working here at UECU. Um, but, you know, the truth is it is inherently a, a very dangerous um, job and one that we all desperately need. I mean, everything I'm doing today with this podcast requires electricity being come, you know, coming into our homes and our businesses. Um, and sometimes it's just so easy to take that for granted and, and not really consider all of the things that are going on behind the scenes. And this is one particular role um, that we all count on uh, more than we know. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that today. So let me get to our guest and, uh, and let me introduce you to Ray Johnson. Hi, Hi, Ray. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. It's so good to see you. So Ray is with uh, an organization called the National Sisterhood United for Journeymen Linemen. And uh, this is just an amazing group. And and there's there's a lot of organizations out there that do great things. Uh, This is one of the ones that we've supported over the years and one that uh, really does meet the needs of a group of people that, you know, perhaps wouldn't be getting the help they they need in other ways. So first of all, Ray, before we get into the organization, and we'll talk a little bit about that, we know it's kind of about linemen. So I've, 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 I've burst that bubble, right? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> knows course. now that's kind of where our topic <laughs> is today. But so how, who are you? And, and how did you get involved in this? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Ray Johnson. I am the president and founder of the NSUJL um, here in Pennsylvania. Basically, uh, when I was a kid, uh, 18 years old, I got involved with the IBW Local 126 in Philadelphia. And um, 
you know, I worked as a tree trimmer basically at first with the aspen tree and then moved my way up to apprentice lineman and ultimately was injured um, during my apprenticeship. So I actually mm. had to resign from the apprenticeship um, mm. forcefully because I wasn't, I had destroyed my right arm to a degree that I wasn't able to climb. Oh, um, so anyways, I got out of the trade and mm. my husband got into the trade. <laughs> so he actually became a lineman. Um, so he went so, through the process that you were going through at the time. And he, fin- he was able to finish that. So great. Yes. So you're so still to- tied to the industry. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then um, I got a job locally working with the state. And um, honestly, I just really miss the camaraderie with the brotherhood. There's mm. just such a big difference between, you know, public sector and private contractor. So I started, um, I got on Facebook and I got in a couple of those like Lyman wife groups And then there seemed to be, like, an awful lot of accidents towards the end of 2011. Mm. And a bunch of us and one of the groups were like, well, let's do a fundraiser or hold a basket raffle or something for these families. And then we'll donate it to a charity that does that. It was at that point that we established that there wasn't a charity that existed. So Mm. it was one of those moments where we were going to let a really good idea go or we were going to do it. And uh, by God's grace, when the right amount of people in this group, it just happened. And that, of course, 10 years ago now, it seems so surreal, but um, that's how it went about. But I feel, you know, when you go through an injury like that, and I understand, that was devastating. It was three years of me trying to, you know, rehabilitate my arm ultimately for them to tell me that, Sorry, I know you spent eight years doing this, but you're not doing it anymore. And um, I feel like I needed to go through that, though. You know, you you wonder in life why you're sometimes, you know, knocked down or set a step or two back or... But there really is a purpose. Like, I really feel like I need to go through that. I Mm. need to feel it. I need to understand you know, how devastating it is to, you know, become the breadwinner and then not anymore and mm. struggle financially. And like, I needed to really feel that. And I did roughly <laughs> for three years. Wow. But I connect so much more with the guys that are injured now. Cause I'm like, I've been there, you know, I've been right. there. I get it. Well, and it sounds like, I mean, when you have a group, like I said, the numbers that I found, you know, 2,400 injuries a year, 42 loss of life um, on the job. I mean, that's, you know, on the job losses. Um, that that's a pretty big group that obviously needs support. So mm-hmm. the fact that you didn't find anything, um, you know, and then decided to take that next step is kind of awesome. You know, I mean, just because you did experience it on some level yourself, um, but then just kind of come full circle, that must have just felt so like fulfilling just to have that get off the ground and and to know that you're making a difference for sure it was definitely the um you know moment where like your whole life just finally makes sense you know what I mean like your your purpose you know um when we started doing it we were we're all very passionate people not and not just because you know our husbands are linemen but we're just compassionate people for fellow Americans, you know? 
right. and the families we help, you know, we're essentially keeping them out of poverty because in some states, workers' comp is 30% of your pay. Well, you know, imagine mm-hmm. having the breadwinner's pay cut to you would need to work two and a half weeks for what you used to make in one. Right. It's, it's devastating for some families. Okay. So let, let's talk a little bit about, um, so the organization itself, it's celebrating 10 years. Congratulations. That's, Thank you. That's amazing. That's really cool. Um, what is it that, uh, like, what did you start doing? Because I sounded like a basket raffle there in the beginning, it's just something, you know, to get it off the ground. But what did you do at first? How did you connect with people? And, you know, and how has it changed over time? So, um, initially we, obviously we didn't have any money. We, we didn't start out with a big endowment. We literally grew this thing out of the pennies in our husband's pockets. Right. So, oh, about four months in, um, we sent letters to all of the IBW locals across the country and notified them of our intent. Cause at that point it was just an intent. Um, it was a dream, a hope, an intent, you know. And uh, honest to God, the brotherhood just took to us so fast. Um, It was one of those light bulb moments where it was like, yeah, why hasn't anybody done this before? Right. And it's like, wow, and it's our wives and, you know, our people that are doing this. Like, so it it put the brotherhood with the sisterhood and it collabed. And um, about 10 months after we started, we got an official endorsement from the international president president of the IBW okay. and then it was just it's just been all uphill from there now initially we uphill in a good way <laughs> yeah crazy good good yeah, way that's awesome um we um initially only sent like $300 or $500 to a family um we always wanted to get to the stage where we would be able to aid with you know 12 months worth of aid depending on their bills and um, but it was, it was slow coming, took us probably about a year before we finally made it to that 12 month mark where we were solvent enough to be able to offer that to people. Um, so talk, talk a little bit about that part of it. So, you know, obviously you're talking about families who, um, and, and I, I, I shouldn't really just assume that our listeners kind of understand the life of linemen and their families. So maybe we should take a step back and just talk about it. So, you know, um, your husband is now a lineman, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what is a typical, if, if there is such a thing, what's a typical month like um, for him? And then on the back end, you know, how does that affect you and the family life? Like, what, what does he do and, and how does it go? How does it work? So, you know, normally they work just a regular job where they do routine maintenance for the power company. Okay. Whether they're power company guys, utility guys, um, co-op guys, or they're the subcontractors. You know, they're just doing regular maintenance. But as you know, Mother Nature whisks <laughs> in at any given moment. Usually yeah. when you have a family vacation planned or some kind of party <laughs> to go to, never fails. So yeah. <laughs> I say, you know, Lyman wives often tease that we're, you know, we're by their schedule Christmas isn't December 25th. It's when uh, your husband gets off of storm. So okay. um, so when you say storm, what do you mean by that? So when there's major outages, whether it be, you know, ice storm, snowstorm, windstorm, tornadoes, hurricanes, whatever the case may be, our linemen are 
whisks away to any part of the country to help restore power as fast as possible. And because of that lifestyle, it does make um, a lot of the why it, it makes it difficult for us to maintain employment outside of, you know, taking care of the house and taking care of the family because he just ups and leaves whenever mm. nature calls and it's unpredictable. So, um, especially while our children are young, you know, sure. so we often don't work and that turns into a major situation when he's injured or the latter, um, okay. You can go from being, you know, middle class to poverty in literally in the matter of a second. Um, So that's where we step in and we offset their necessities. We don't pay for the other things linemen like to get themselves involved in. But we definitely make sure that they have enough to, you know, between what workers' comp is giving them. Um, and what their monthly, you know, utilities and mortgage and stuff like that are, we come in and we offset that difference so that they can maintain while they figure out what the next steps are for them. So I think, um, you know, the average person in a job like mine sitting at a desk, so, um, you know, I don't know if that's average, but I'm assuming that's average for today. You know, if, if I get injured on the job, I trip down the hallway or something, I'm a workman's comp, I have surgery, I, you know, I have either support here from work with workman's comp or depending on the job you know there might be short-term disability or different things along those lines it just depends on the company and all those kinds of things but for me um i i guess it feels like that is it's a it's a good safety net um but it doesn't necessarily mean that all of my family income is gone because you know today there aren't too many families that aren't two parent working parents, you know, or two, I didn't get that out right. You know what I meant? (laughs) So, you know, I think it's, um, it's a little, maybe just a little bit different for the average person that might be listening to what you're saying. And plus you're, you're kind of at the whim of their schedule If anything from a fire to a, a, a hurricane, um, could call them off. So, and, and I think that's another thing that people don't necessarily understand. So obviously we've all lived through storms of some kind and our power has gone out. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that since I've had this job, my respect and understanding for what happens in that small f- amount of time has grown tremendously. Um, and so, you know, just as a, I guess, just to get the word out, you know, when your power is out, <laughs> speaking from someone who uses it, not someone who restores it like your husband, um, a little bit of patience is a good thing um, because there's an awful lot going on in the background to try to figure out where the problems are, get teams there. And you said about, you know, your husband being sent, you know, across the country. Can you talk just a little bit, don't need to go into a lot of depth, but just how does that happen? Like if they're working for X company in Pennsylvania, how do they end up in the Gulf of Mexico? You know, how do they end up in Alabama doing work like that? How does that work? So it doesn't make sense for power companies to employ the amount of people they need during a storm all year. I mean, our electric bills would be astronomical. I mean, <laughs> okay. 30 times what they are now, if that was the case. So what, what it is, is there's like a mutual aid agreement between the power companies. And what they say is like, okay, well, if we have major outages, you know, you agree that you'll help us. We agree we'll help you. It's basically like a you wash our back, we'll wash your situation. Okay. So when that happens down in Florida or Texas or even here in the Northeast when we get hit with these major ice storms and snowstorms, sure. 
the power companies here will send out like an SOS and they'll say, okay, we have X amount of damage. We need a thousand crews or whatever. So at that point, the, the local power companies moving out will start saying, okay, well, I can commit to send you a hundred or I can commit to send you 200 or I can commit to send you 50 or whatever the case is until they fill that essential spot of a thousand people. Okay. Cause I mean, you got to figure when those storms come in, you see the show ups down there in Florida. I mean, there's just bucket trucks like you can. <laughs> it's Could like you a caravan. Imagine what that expense would be for a power company if they tried to do that all year. It just sure it doesn't make financial sense. But well, there's the not enough comes, of you guys working out there anyway. <laughs> they couldn't if they wanted to. <laughs> like, That's right. <laughs> but when the call comes, there's a lot of setup, and then I kind of want to talk about this too because we run into this even locally when there's like. Oh, well, my lights went out. Where are they? <laughs> well, they just got a phone call. They're getting out of their bed. They're yeah. getting dressed. Right. You know, they're driving in that god-awful condition mm. to work, to pick up the equipment. But first, they have to get it ready, their CDL mandates. So now they got to do all the inspections on their trucks. They got to get them all loaded. They have to be assigned their work. They have to make sure they have all the proper equipment on their trucks to do the job. Then they load up finally and then get out to the job. Then sometimes what they were told was wrong isn't actually the case when you get there. You know? right. so, well, I, I think even before all the part that you're talking about, too, there's still even the company just assessing the damage. Like, there's yeah. that part, too. It's like your power goes out. They don't know immediately, oh, we have to fix exactly gadget xyz someone has to go out and look at it and figure it out correct so while the guys are getting ready to go in they're trying <laughs> to assess what happened and then there's also like um a situation where we often see um they'll be like oh well you know i drove by a parking lot i seen a bunch of bucket trucks what are they doing <laughs> well there's switching orders that need done there's you know, you can't just flick the switch and it all comes back on. You got to make sure the line's clear. You got to drive it out, you know. So the guys are sitting in the trucks waiting to hear if it's clear to throw in the line so that we don't add to that 42. Because you know the vegetation I mean? workers are involved too because they have to clear things and all those stuff, right? Correct. I mean, I might not be using the right words, but, the you know, all of those groups are, they're all kind of working in tandem to ultimately get that power back on. And uh, Correct. So... I, I just I think it's important for people to hear that. And, and actually, I'm hoping that our, in our next episode, we'll actually go a little bit deeper into the life of a lineman and their family. Um, that's that's the goal for the in some somewhere in the next couple of episodes. But um, for this one, I just thought it was important before we kind of talk about what it is that your group does to support them, that our listeners should understand a little bit about their lives and just that it is kind of random at sometimes you know it's like you have this regular day-to-day -day job working a lot of hours but then all mm -hmm. of a sudden some major catastrophe happens somewhere and they're gone <laughs> for and you know I, I remember back to the storm that hit uh, Puerto Rico I think there were crews there for three months at like at a time so you they're know still that, there yeah well and and in shifts but the fact is uh, the spouse and the kids are still home still making life happen, you know, as best as they can. Um, and then, okay, so then we get to that next spot. And so now the fact is um, now there's an injury. For whatever reason, obviously third most dangerous job um, out there, according to what I could find. And, and like I said, you probably know better. But the truth is that 
when that happens, if that is your only major source of income, um, depending on how well you're prepared for that, for that possibility, uh, that really throws your life into a tailspin. Pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, everything is essentially at risk immediately. I mean, obviously, your biggest concern is that he's okay. He's sure. coming out of the hospital. You know what I mean? Because um, there's even, even injuries in this trade. Sure, we have little things, but then we have major things. And um, that it could be months and months and months that you're in and out of a burn center, in and out right. of, you know what I mean? So it really is just completely life-altering. Um, and a lot of the families aren't prepared in advance for that. So that's where we come in, you know. But I'm a big advocate for, you know, financial preparation. I think some of this yeah. should be thought about in advance because, I mean, I don't work a dangerous job. You don't work a dangerous job per se. Right, right. But it doesn't mean when I get in my car to go pick up my son, something doesn't happen. You know sure. what I mean? Um, so I'm a big advocate for, you know, Getting that life insurance, you know, mm. getting some kind of short-term disability, long-term disability insurance, it doesn't hurt. It can never hurt. Trust me, you spend far more money on things that really don't matter at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think um, when you and I chatted briefly, you know, coming into this, I, I told you that one of the things that's kind of my goal with this podcast every month is that we actually do, uh, even when we're not really here to talk about money today, the truth is money hits every aspect of our life. And so, you know, if there is an injury, if there is a, an unfortunate loss of life um, in this line of work or any line of work, um, you know, you have to be prepared. So I had asked you, like, well, what would be your financial tip? Because everybody's got to give a tip. So your tip for for your linemen families, um, your, alignment, your, your line workers, is, is exactly what? What do you want them life to do? Life insurance. That's a big one. Um, okay. And it's like major policies, too. You know, they recommend three years worth of your yearly income plus your mortgage is what I've kind of been in okay. the, you know, what realm to hear. And then your short-term and long-term disability, but also savings. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. you should at least 5%, I say. I like to see at least 5% go away, 10% ideally, but at least 5%. Of every paycheck. Is that what you're you thinking? Is that what you mean? That you're mm -hmm. just setting that aside? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's funny because in our last episode, we were, well, actually two episodes ago, we were talking about kids and money. And that was one of the things that we talked about is like if you, if you kind of commit to a percentage – um, it's just simpler because it doesn't feel like a burden. Every time you get a raise, like, oh, I have to change that dollar amount. Mm -hmm. Like, do I really want to put – if I'm putting $100 in savings, well, I really don't want to do 110 But if you're in your head, well, I'm just doing a percentage. I'm just doing 5%, 8%, 10%. When your wages change, the percentage automatically adjusts. So it doesn't, yep. doesn't feel like a major – like you have to make a major decision – it just happens. In so many companies, the way modern technology is now, you can set up. I mean, the forms are, you could have money go into five different accounts now if you right. want. Yep. So it makes it so easy just to put 10%. And then when you get your check, you don't even think about it because it already happened, you know? 
Yeah. We have actually, it's funny, when I was spending my time out on the road meeting our members and, and talking with a lot of the crews, that's pretty much what they used us for, for you know, for the, you know, a long time ago, all we did was savings and loans. So, uh, you know, they would say, well, that's kind of my mad money. I'm opening an account there at utilities, and I'm just going to have X amount of dollars taken out every week or a percentage. Um, and then I'm just not going to, I'm not going to open this. Like some of them are like, I'm never looking at the statement. I don't care. I just know it's accumulating. Now, I don't encourage that. You should look at your statements. Um, but honestly, we became kind of that, uh, that on the side savings account for a lot of members before we had checking accounts and CDs and, you know, mortgages and everything else that we do today. I know that's how a lot of our utility members kind of knew us best 20 years ago. Um, and, and many of them still use us for that today in addition to other things. But you're right. If you just set it up and kind of forget it and it goes into an account that isn't attached maybe to your regular debit card or something along those lines, you, it's just set it and forget it. And for sure. um, so I, uh, I, I highly endorse your tips for finances, and I will say, um, you know, on the whole estate planning, and, and you and I talked about that, like everything you talked about it kind of plays into estate planning. And so I just want to tell our listeners, and I, I know I talk about Cue It Up in every episode, but the truth of the matter is we actually have an online resource that's free, um, whether you're a member of UECU or not. And I'll put a link in our show notes um, to uh, it's, it's uecu.org slash Cue it up, which is C-U-E-I-T-U-P. That's our online uh, financial education resource. And it's all full of like five, seven, ten-minute little lessons that are really easy. Some of them you can share with your kids. Some of them it's just to help you and your spouse talk about money. But we specifically have one in there in the uh, – they're, they're kind of arranged into playlists, like a, you know, like listening to your favorite – album or, or a, um, artist. The playlist is called uh, Planning for Retirement. Um, but within that, there's a number of different little courses, and one of them is estate planning. And so I just put that out there because sometimes you don't know what questions to ask or where to even start. And, you know, a short I think that one's actually six minutes. They, they, they've noted that one's about six minutes long. In six minutes, you might get enough information just to know, well, first I should do X. <laughs> You know, and once I've accomplished X, then I will do Y. And so, you know, I, I guess I would encourage folks to learn, to invest the time, hang up YouTube for 15 minutes and go on to this resource and, and uh, go through a couple of slides or watch a little short video, read an article, something that changes sure. your life and changes your family's life should the most horrible of things happen. Um, and I think um, none of us wants to think about that. Look, you know, everyone thinks 42 out of 100,000, that's not going to be me, right? Or, yeah. or, or 2,400 injuries out of 100,000, that's not going to be me. The fact is, it's somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I think it is very important for people to be prepared and be ready. Because honestly, what you're doing right now as an organization is filling the gap when either they haven't been able to get that resource because they haven't, it hasn't been cleared yet. Um, and I would like to talk a little bit about that. But then also, you know, some of them may just not have it at all. Like mm -hmm. you said, they might just be reliant on 30%. And that's 30% of probably their 40-hour week, which how many of these guys work 40 hours? Not many. Exactly. So 30% of even less than what they're used to making in a week, um, that's, that's a real big hit to a family's finances. 
Yeah, yeah. and like you were mentioning earlier, you know, we've had families, we had a situation in Ohio where um, the lineman was killed, and mm. um, but he actually had a $2 million life insurance policy. So I'm sure in his mind, he had thought, God forbid, you know, my family would be okay. Well, right. in the state of Ohio... Um, just because you're married, this is one of two situations she ran into. Just because you're married in the state of Ohio doesn't automatically make you executor of the estate. Okay. So she actually had to go to probate and fight for the right to touch her husband's checking account. Oh my. So that was her first major delay. Sure. Then on top of that, the coroner refused to release the death certificate until OSHA um, went through their investigation because they wanted to make sure that he didn't go up there that day with the intention of not coming home. Oh, goodness. So they wanted to go, th so the coroner held the death certificate until OSHA, which we all know. Takes its sweet we old time. We love you, OSHA, but right. you're not fast about a thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> A year goes by, she still doesn't have a death certificate. A lot of the things you can't do until, until a death certificate that. is a produced, you know? Sure. So she's waiting on the feds. Then she's fighting for her husband. Oh you my. know, luckily, she did have a degree that she had used previously as an RN. She, of course, had to go through training. She had not used it in some time. Right. Um, so she did her courses and was able to get back to work. But imagine just the paperwork... I mean, the OSHA part, no, but at least if she could have gotten her husband's account without showing up in front of a judge and things like that right. would have helped her. And it was just like everywhere she went, she just met brick walls. So had a piece of paper been made or written that said, you know, in the event of my demise or whatever, right. you know, I, I name my wife such and such executor of my estate and blah, 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 and sign it, notarized it, whatever, kept it in a safe, you know. So yeah. it's little things like that you don't think of until you're in that situation, though. You know, you really just right. don't. So, Yeah, so, okay, so other important tips. Man, you're racking them up. So, you, you know, life insurance, <laughs> um, you know, preparing for, you know, short-term disability, long-term disability, but also those really important documents. Make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, someone has in their hand, especially your family who is, you know, going to be left in, in some respects – well, not, not in some, in absolutely every respect, picking up the pieces and trying to move forward, you know, do, do you know that they'll have control of, a, of the estate? Do you know they'll have access to your funds? Do you know, um, you know, and, and not, we haven't even hit the if someone's injured but they're not able to advocate for themselves, is there a medical you know, like, can you make medical decisions? Some states might require more things than others. So that's all part of estate planning. You know, I think when you and I've talked, and I think that that word captures an awful lot of information, um, a lot of things to do. But I'm going to back up again and say, don't be overwhelmed by it. You know, it's so easy to say, oh, it's just so much. I don't have time. I can't do it. Just pick one thing. If you pick one thing this month, maybe you make a list and there's 12 things on that list of things you need to do and say, okay, one a month for the next year, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to get through the month. I'm going to get through the year. And by the end of the year, everything's going to be taken care of. Um, the peace of mind and security that your family will have knowing that those things are done, I, I, 
I can't even imagine how important it would be, like just what a difference it would make um, in their lives, even if, if nothing ever happens to you, just to know that they're prepared and taken care of. For sure. Yeah. And if there's some kind of instructions, you know. So often people are like, oh, I don't have the money to go to the attorneys. I don't want to have to pay for this will or do anything like that. You really don't need to do all that. You know, if, if, you do, if you're not a person that wants to go to an attorney, you don't want to do that, and you're just kind of straightforward with what you want, write it down, get it notarized, put it in a safe, you know? And yeah. I oftentimes will tell people, like, give a copy to three different people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Your best friend, your mother, your brother, somebody. Give three copies out. And, and if that's all you have for now, that is still better than absolutely okay. nothing, you know? Right. Yep. Okay, so um, great tips, and we could talk a whole show just on that, but let, let's keep sure. going here a little bit. So um, how talk to me just like what's the general process? So you hear about an injury, you hear about, um, you know, unfortunate loss of life. How do you guys kind of step up to the plate for these families? How, you know, what's that process look like for someone who needs your help? So we actually, um, through social media, hear about probably 90% of the accidents. Okay. Um, so we reach out immediately to the receiving uh, local union because okay. they have typically direct contact with their members, and of course, they're in an injury or an accident. You know, so sure we'll reach out to them. Now, all the halls pretty much know us by now. Obviously, ten years later, it wasn't right. like that initially, <laughs> but all of us, all of them know us by now, so they know we're coming. Um, and then we just remind them to please pass along our information. There's like little cut cards that we've sent to the halls so that they know to pass that out. And then we wait. Some families contact us right away. And then some families, it's not till three or four months later. Okay. It all depends on the planning they had. Savings they had a lot of the times when they're first injured, there'll be a lot of GoFundMes or collections mm-hmm. with their company or whatever that go up and they might be okay for a while. But okay. then it starts to, you know, dwindle away, and then they're stuck with trying to figure it out. So sometimes okay. we hear from them right away, sometimes not for months. Um, and then there's, of course, bad people that get in touch with them. Like right away, there's like what we call ambulance chasers. So it does seem like they start getting hit with a bunch of calls right away because, like, lawyers are like, oh, well, they're going to need an attorney. So then these poor families, the stuff they go through, and then those start getting hammered with, like, attorney calls and stuff, you know, after mm. an accident. So we just wait. And then, like I said, sometimes we've had contact before the funeral. Other times we okay. haven't heard a thing for three or four months, you know. Okay. Um, but our service ranges from financial to we have, an on, we have a, a volunteer who's actually a trauma therapist. Okay. So she does Skype and... Um, Zoom sessions with either the injured or um, the widow and stuff in the family. We also do um, in-home care because we are a nationwide organization. So we have members okay. all over the country. Okay. Um, so we'll we'll run like meal trains. Um, our members have babysat while the widow was making funeral arrangements. Like, so I mean, our members have shown up at the hospital. Um, okay. It's it's just a range of services depending on the needs of the family. So talk a little bit about when you say membership, what do you mean by that? So you have, obviously you're collecting funds to help to support these families, but who are your members and how does that, how does that work? So we, um, when you start a nonprofit, you can choose to be member or not. 
we chose to be member because I feel like membership nonprofits are a little bit more accountable because the members essentially own, for lack of a better word, the nonprofit. Okay. And then it also gives them the, the ability to run as director, hold an officer position, you know. Sounds like of, a credit union. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much just like a Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you can choose to be non-member or member. We're, you know, union-backed. Obviously, the union's all about accountability and its members. So that's the direction we went. It's a small membership fee, I think, for individuals. It's like 50 a year. Couples, it's like 80 and we have, those are the people that actually go in um, and meet with families. You know what I mean? They're, they're the, the hands ones that the address feet. the daily need. They're, you know? they're, the, they're the hands and the feet of your service. They basically are, are delivering that personalized, or at least that personal interaction. They're definitely the soldiers. I mean, they're, they're out there every day, you know, like you said, boots on the ground and... Mm. Visiting the family, whether they call them, you know, it depends. And then we have some members that, that just want to make a yearly donation, and that's all they want to do. They don't want involved in anything else, you know? Okay. Then we have other members that, like, go to um, events for us, and we'll work a booth or something. We have those members. and Okay. Um, and then we have members that want to be directors and want to be officers and want to have more say. But one of the luxuries of being a membership organization is the fact that you get a vote. So if we make major changes in the organization or we do things like that, our, we're accountable to the members and the members get to decide those kind of things. So okay. it's fun. It gives it back to the community. I, I love membership organizations, but I'm pro-union. So. Well, understood. So is, is your, it sounds to me like your membership has probably grew pretty fast and is still growing. Correct. Um, every day. Okay. Um, it takes a... It takes an army for sure to run the organization. Well, um, one of the things I will make sure we include in the show notes is a link to your website. Um, but what, tell us what that is. It is what? NSUJL.org. Okay. Um, again, that's N as in Nancy, S as in Sam, U, J as in Journey, L as Alignment.org. And then uh, if you're interested in becoming a member, you can click Join Now. If you just want to make a donation or something, you can click... Um, the donation tab but we also do keep our fundraisers up to date so we'll often post like little fundraisers we're doing whether we're selling chocolates or candies or tupperware or, <laughs> you know whatever we can to raise funds so okay. if you visit it frequently and click over on fundraisers you'll see what we got playing coming up awesome okay great so um, I know one of the reasons that I, that I had you on the calendar for this month is that you do have a very big event coming up, and um, it kind of has a dual purpose. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your, your – I, I mean, for me, colloquially, it's the rodeo, but I know it has a much more um, meaningful name than just that. So tell us a little bit about what that event is and, and uh, when it, where, where it's going to be and when it's going to be. Correct. So annually on Father's Day weekend, we hold what's called the Line Worker Benefit Rodeo. On Friday night of the rodeo um, is when we hold our Climbing for Lost Lyman ceremony, where we honor all of the brothers that were killed from June to June of the following year. Um, and then honor reforms can be mailed in for anybody. So if you had like an uncle that passed away years ago that was a lineman and you want to honor him, that's fine too. There's, there's always that option. Okay. So that is the Friday night ceremony. We do it often. I get this question, so I'll elaborate why it's Father's Day weekend. <laughs> um, one, because it is a weekend to recognize your husband for what he does. Two, 
I really feel like it's really good to get um, the families that are grieving with us, around us, for, like, the first Father's Day. Um, so you so try to get the reason. families, you actually try to get the families there, particularly the ones that were, that l- maybe lost someone that year? Correct. So okay. uh, the sponsors that sponsor Climbing for Lost Lyman also will sponsor a family. Oh. So if they need travel assistance to come in um, to, to, during the ceremony, we will provide that as well. Okay. If they need assistance coming in to see the ceremony. And then Saturday is the Lyman competition. And that's where Lyman from all over the country compete um, doing normal things that they do on the job, which is kind of cool. If you've never actually, like, seen what they do, right. I recommend coming because it's a safe place. You're not trying to stare at them in the middle of a storm. Like, <laughs> it's a controlled environment. But, um... So they'll do, like, cross-arm change-outs, transformer change-outs, like, things you see, you know, in, in the air and wonder how it gets there. But they're trying to do it as fast as possible without any gigs or, you know, mistakes. So Ah, okay. And linemen from all over the country come in. We have linemen from Cali, Texas, Florida, all over oh, the wow. Midwest. The entire Northeast is represented from, you know, Ohio, Delaware, all the way up. And uh, that's it. They kind of battle it out for the trophies <laughs> to see who's going to be the fastest and the best climber. And um, believe it or not, some of these guys can scale a 45-foot pole up and back in 17 seconds. <gasps> like That's crazy. absolutely the most amazing <laughs> thing to watch. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so where is it? Where it's is it in, taking place? It's in Hazleton, Pennsylvania now at the City okay. View Park, which is 700 South Poplar Street. Okay. Um, in Hazleton, like I said, it's a city view park. Friday night is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., the ceremony. Okay. And then Saturday we start about 8 o'clock till the event's end, which is around 3 o'clock. We do have vendors and other things happening yep. um, beyond the competition and, of course, the award ceremony, but it's a lot of fun. And thank you guys for your sponsorship. Well, uh, it's it's definitely been uh, a worthwhile um thing to support and for those of us who have particularly you know talked with linemen families especially through those moments that you're talking about because you know we have them or their members here some of them um or just those of us who have gone out on the road and have met you know line line crews and crew quarters and vegetation worker all these guys you know who are out doing this really dangerous stuff and i should say and ladies there are ladies it's not just guys yeah um but just um you know it it's when you when you see it firsthand or when you hear what they're talking about and you recognize the commitment that they've made to um, safety in particular. I mean, there isn't – I don't think there's a single gathering that we've ever been part of that someone's not talking about safety, right? And, yep. um, absolutely. And at first it's like, wow, safety. Say, okay, we get no, – no, now that I've been part of it and seen it over the years, I get it now because mm-hmm. you can't – like if I mess up in the office – you know, I, I might hurt a finger. Let's just be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Or or I might twist an ankle or something. Right. But, but you know, when you are out, um, and really uh, this is probably true for all utility crews that are out, whether it's natural gas or electric or whatever, oil pipelines, everything, um, one little mistake can be life-altering. Yeah. And, and that's they just say the truth of no it. say there's no eraser on a lineman's pen. Ah, that's a great phrase. Just there's imagine. No, say that again. There's, There's no, no eraser on a lineman's on a pen. Lineman's pen. Just imagine you typing out a memo 
an email. Yeah. And you make a spelling error and it costs you your life. Right. That's how right. serious it is. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That that's a good that's a really good way to kind of bring life to that and just the immediacy of always being in the moment. And and I know that um you know here at UEC one of the things that we always talk about when we're at these gatherings is you know the last thing these guys need are financial troubles and woes that carry them or phone calls from collection agencies or whatever that's going on. Um so we always talk about, you know, making sure your financial life is in order so that you don't have to have that distraction at work. And so, you know, look, for me to be distracted at work by a phone call or an email or some bill that I'm worried about in my head is one thing. Uh, line crews that have those same concerns is a whole other ball game. Um, and so, you know, we always are kind of stressing the things we talked a little bit about earlier, just being prepared, being ready, being smart with your money, making good choices, even if it's just down to simple budgeting and saving. Um, those things make a difference in the mental clarity um, and, and to keep distractions at bay when you're, when you're on the line and you're messing with, I don't even know how many volts. I don't even want to think about it. Um, that's just no. <laughs> that's a big 000, hard no for me. 16,000, 64,000. Yeah, the crazy. Steel towers can get up to 500,000, 750,000. Yeah, there's no room for error. That's for Absolutely sure. Absolutely none. So um, just because I know this is, most people are going to be listening to this um, uh, podcast, and I, I wish I could show pictures of what the Climbing for li- uh, Lost Linemen ceremony is like, but could you kind of describe just like a little picture of, you know, what it is? Uh, I mean, I will, I will try to post some pictures, especially as yeah. we come up on the event. We'll share pictures from your event here at UACU. Um, but just talk a little bit about what that ceremony is actually like. So what we do is we have um, really pretty silver scroll lanterns, um, kind of like the ones you see at weddings and such. And what we do with the glass is we inscribe the lineman's name on the glass. Okay. And then one by one, whether it's a pole buddy, a brother, a cousin, aunt, whoever, one by one, each lineman will climb up. They're um, hoisted up the lantern. They'll usually like have a moment of silence or say a prayer. They'll hang the lantern on the line and light the candle and then push it down and then climb back down and the next person will go up. It is one of those things where like you really just have to be there mm. to like see it and feel it, feel the yeah. love and the camaraderie and you know, the sorrow. <sighs> I mean, I can't even fathom it. I really can't. And I'm trying really hard to hold it back. <laughs> But, I, you know, just the visual representation of mm-hmm. seeing all those lanterns and how many lanterns la- last year? Or, or uh, 44. 44 lanterns last year. Um, I don't, uh, you know, sadly, I don't know that you can answer that for this year yet because we're not into June yet. Yeah, I honest to God, I hate to. Yeah. Um, let's not put number on it yet because let's hope it doesn't change between now and then, but, um, let's not tempt fate. Let's not tempt fate by putting a number out there. Um, but I've seen pictures like at sunset with, you know, the line between the two poles and these lanterns going on, um, and lit and, and just, I, I just can't fathom the sorrow and yet the pride. I mean, just, 
you know, the commitment that these that these workers make and their families make to that lifestyle. Um, And while, you know, like the average person can look at that and you can go go on to salary.com, you can look it up, you know, they make good money because all their overtime, yep, you bet, you bet they do. And they earn every penny. Yeah. I often tell people like, oh, you know, $50 an hour, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you $50. I want you to climb up that 45 foot pole <laughs> with two little spikes on your feet. And I want you to hang on to those wires for an hour. Right. And I'm like, I ain't doing that. That's crazy. And that's why it's so $50, what's that $50 an hour. Mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now yeah. that $50 isn't worth, it's not worth your life. Right. There's not, there, you can't put a price on somebody's life. No, you and can't. there's no safe way, safer way around that at this point than they've developed with, you know, the safety equipment available. Right. But they're going into disaster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're, I, you know, I often, when I'm, um, you know, putting messages out on social media for here, here at USU, that's one of the roles that I do is, you know, often when, you know, the, the phrase that's kind of famous but is absolutely true for these workers is when everybody else is running away, they're running in. Absolutely. You know, it, it, and, and so I know um, there's, there's controversy when you say first responders, but the truth of the matter is they do what first responders do. They run towards the danger. And um, they do what first responders won't do. Right. Well, I mean, what they can't do. Honestly, yeah. you have, they have to do their job, Correct. just like the guys have to come in and clear the vegetation in those dangerous settings and someone, before someone can fix what's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys have to get in there and fix those issues and get electric running and up again so that the actual first responders, the ones that we think of, fire, police, rescue, all that good stuff, so they can do their job too. Or the mm-hmm. hospitals can maintain power that they need to, to care for people who are injured or hurt. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think at first when I heard oh, linemen are first responders, line crew, they absolutely are because they're running towards danger. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's a pretty amazing group of people. I have to admit I've had some fun with them over the years. It's been a little while since I've been out with the crews. But, um, <laughs> you know, y- you can't help but go in and just, I mean, they're picking on each other mercilessly. They're, you know, they're saying things and then they're like looking over their shoulder at me and going, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's are. okay. It's okay. I'm married to a plumber. You're good. You're good. You know? <laughs> They are the so, nicest, <laughs> roughest people you'll ever meet. You oh, know? I love that. Yes. Yeah. Nicest, roughest people. I think there's some truth to that. But, um, you know, one of the things that, um, I, and and we'll wrap this up shortly because we're, we're getting close to, to the end of our time, but I I, th- I don't think I'll ever forget the one of the first times I was out and I was in a, a crew quarters for a, a electric lineman, line crews for our one of our local power companies here in PA. And I was sitting next to this guy, and we were just talking because, you know, I'm filling time. He's filling time, whatever. And, and he was probably I – asked, I asked him how long he had been alignment, and I'm pretty sure he was close to 40 years, you wow. know, that he had been doing the job. Yeah, which is, like, mind-blowing to me. Um, now, at that point, he might have been more supervisory than climbing the poles anymore. I don't know, but he was still involved and still in it. And I asked him how things had changed, you know, over time. Oh. And he's like, are you kidding? He says, so when I f- went, when somebody told me that this was even a job, you know, like that they needed people to do this, because that wasn't something that most people think about. No. Um, he's like, I, I sat down in a training class and, you know, training then 
much different than training today. Oh, yeah. You know, like it's not a degree thing like it can be today. It's like mm-hmm. all those things that are different today but and better because, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> training is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's basically in a class, and they're they're telling him all the stuff, and the safety equipment's not anything like it is today. <laughs> and at mm-hmm. one point, the instructor, I think, I'm going to say, was it within the first couple of weeks of being in this class, he basically said, okay, everybody look left. Everybody look right. One of you will not retire doing this job. One of you won't make it that far. It's true. Like, and when he said that and then realized that he's been in this role or close to 40 years, I'm like, so you were one of the lucky ones. And he says, yeah, and I've lost a lot of friends along the way. You know, and so it, it is um, still, even with all the safety talks and with all of the encouragement, um, sadly, mistakes happen. Yeah. Um, and weird things happen. You know, sometimes oh, it's just yeah. like you, you prepare for everything you possibly can prepare for, but you, you can't prepare 100% for everything. Um, but it's a dangerous, a dangerous job. And these families, I just, all the more power to you, Ray. Um, just watching him walk out the door some days has to be really hard. It's very difficult because it's, um, it's like we all, you know, we all just hold our breath when they leave because we know that we could get that call an hour later or two hours later. You know, it could be our son at the next climbing for Los Lyman, you know, our little eight-year-old or four-year-old or... Right. God, it tears you up, you know, and there's just no, there's no better way to explain it than... It's just, it's just devastation all the way around um, for everybody involved. The mom, the dad, the the wife, the sisters, the brother, like, but it's, it's a, it's a job that everybody needs. You know, you go home and you flick that switch and you expect it to work. And most of the time it does, you know, but just know that, you know, if your power goes out, that they're trying their best to get there, you know, as safely prideful. as possible, as safely as possible, because it has to be. Correct. Right. And linemen are very prideful. They love, I know my husband gets like this adrenaline rush when he gets to get out there <laughs> and like help the community and get the power back on. Like yeah. they want to do it, you know, they're right. good hearted people. They just want to help, you know. Right. Um, just give them the time to get there. Know that if you see their truck sitting, there's probably some things going on, you know. Offer them some coffee. See if they've gotten a bottle of water. You know what I mean? They will never turn down food. (laughs) (laughs) Because oftentimes during storms, they're they're fed MREs. Okay. Or like sandwiches in a bag. Like that's what they've been eating for three days. Like, so just be kind, be mindful that they are people too. They did leave their family too. Right. You know, oftentimes we're out of power when they leave. So, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, you're they not, can't... It's, you're, you're not like miraculously given perfect power all the time just because <laughs> no. you send your guy out. No, I get that. You know, um, Ray, I, um, I'm just so grateful that your organization is there because, you know, the things that we've talked about today, um, it sounds like you, you kind of hit that niche, that niche, however you say it, just of here's a group that does need support. And, and maybe the average person would look at, you know, that salary.com thing and go, oh, they don't. Why do they need help? Well, that's because, you know, for, for obvious reasons, um, these workers may not necessarily want to prepare for what could happen because sometimes that just makes it a little too real. 
I am not excusing them from doing it. So all you people listening out there, estate planning, estate planning, estate planning, and all those things uh, are so very important because, you know, for your family to be cared for, to be supported, um, all those things really do make a huge difference. But there's still a gap. And and like Ray said today, um, you know, NSUJL is one organization that helps fill that gap for IBEW workers. And uh, I think it's just amazing what you do. Uh, good luck Thank with you. your event that's coming up. Um, I know. So is this the, the 10th year, the 11th year? How many? So it's the 10th year for the rodeo, 11th year. year for the climb. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So um, a, a monumental achievement. Congratulations. Amen. I know there are lots Thank been you. going on. So, um, Thanks again so much for being my guest today. I am just thrilled that you took the time. I wish you well with everything. And thank you guys for all of your support. It uh, means a lot to us. And I will make sure that there are all those wonderful links in the show notes so that people can click through and learn a little bit more about you and support the work you do and join, become members um, of your organization. Um, and just keep fighting the good fight there, Ray, all right? Thank you. I all appreciate right. you. Thank you so much. No problem. And um, for all of our listeners out there, if this is the first time you're hearing our podcast, uh, you know, and you don't know even who UECU is, maybe you're hearing us because, hey, the lineman idea kind of spoke your or um, piqued your interest. Um, you know, I encourage you to learn a little bit about us. That You can do that on social media. You can do that on our website. And actually, all those things will also be in our show notes. But UECU.org, um, everybody here calls us UECU. And, and even the logo behind me on the wall is UECU. But our full name, our, our formal name is Utilities Employees Credit Union. Um, so, you know, we... we uh, We look forward to continuing to bring you episodes like this where you can learn a little bit about some of the communities that we serve um, and and also pick up some financial tips along the way because whether you're a lineman or you're not, uh, estate planning is probably a pretty good idea. Uh, I think Ray would agree. So, (laughs) All right. well, Well, thanks, guys. Have a great rest of your day, and we look forward to bringing you another episode next month. Take care.